Welcome back to Jamie All Over. Today I'm joined by a friend who I met at an amazing New Year's Eve party sleepover. Absolutely, in Palm Springs. Yes, and he's a fellow podcaster. He is kind of in the Bravo universe sphere. We'll get into all of that. Welcome to the show, Craig McNeil. Thank you so much, Jamie. It's a pleasure to be on your show, which I've thoroughly enjoyed since its inception. And I was thrilled to see that you started your own show. I always enjoyed you on Shenanigans. And now it's a thrill to be chatting with you in this way. And we're going to have you on my show. Yeah. uh, My show, which is Craig and Friends, for those of you rushing over right now on your podcast (laughs) app to do that. And saving and subscribing and downloading and all of that. Craig and Friends. Let's touch on how you and I know each other. Yeah. So Janet, our mutual friend, had set up a New Year's Eve house situation Mm -hmm. in Palm Springs. I'm trying to figure out what year. Was it 2018 going into 2019? Oh, no. No, no, no. no. It was 2019 going into 2020. (gasps) Okay. Okay. So it was like- last gasp. Yes. (laughs) Months before (laughs) things shut down. Yeah. And there was a real feeling like it was 1980, like we see in Boogie Nights. Everyone like, 2020, it's going to be the year. It's going to be amazing, which it was, but in a very different way. It was not amazing. (laughs) 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 Although I have to say, I thoroughly enjoy your podcast as well. And thank you for saying such nice words about mine. I loved the episode that you did with your partner, Ada, announcing Mm. her pregnancy. Congratulations on that, by the way. Thank you very much. And I thought it was so interesting that, you know, your story was that you met, what was it, Zoom online? How did that come about? It came about because she was to be a guest on my podcast and we met online on Zoom in May of 2020. So no one was going anywhere. She's based in London. I'm based in LA. Now I'm currently in London for probably obvious reasons, but we then shelved the episode for two reasons. One, anyone's show from around that time, you're going to listen back to episodes and want to skip it because we're talking about coronavirus and we're still too close to it. I think in about 10 years, people can go back and look at it, but no one wants to hear that now. Mm -hmm. So that and also the the topics were shifting. And also we were basically flirting the entire time, which is not something I have a problem with on the show. And it's happened with other guests, but we really felt like there was something happening. And then we planned on a date over FaceTime, which is, you know, much more intimate than Zoom. (laughs) Better camera, at least. Much better camera, yes, <laughs> which is important for certain activities. Oh, my goodness. Okay, yes. <laughs> Point taken. <laughs> <laughs> and Ada is a fetish wear designer, as you know, mm-hmm. and used to do ready-to-wear lines and all that stuff, worked for McQueen, et cetera, and so on. Yeah, that's awesome. How did it go from chatting online and FaceTiming <laughs> to where you for are now? Years. Oh, my goodness. Wait, how long until you actually met in person? Well, you know, I say two years, and that might be exaggerating slightly. It was 18 months. (gasps) So actually, this is about a year right now from when we met in person. I wonder, I have to check the flight dates, because at the time, you know, you're just like, we're finally meeting in person. Yeah. So I don't know, sometime during the first month that we were in each other's physical presence, we conceived Mm -hmm. our son, Peter. So he's what, about three months old now? (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Math is correct. (laughs) <laughs> no, you're very good with that. There's very quick math. Very quick math. I'm not as adept, so I admire that. Yeah, he's three months. Wow. It's wild for me in many ways because I never, ever, ever, ever planned on having kids. And also sort of discovering, accepting whatever you want to call it, that I'm queer, bisexual, pan, whatever people like to call it. Mm-hmm. Because some people have an issue with bisexual, but I feel like it covers everything. Yeah. And whatever. I'm omnivorous is what I, I like to say. What exactly is the difference between bisexual and pan? The sticking point for people is that bisexual infers that there are only two, and uh, much like yeah, much like binary, and which I completely understand. I think that I'm so comfortable saying bisexual after arriving at that or queer. I like queer is my favorite because for me, queer embodies a whole number of things. It used to be a slur that has been reappropriated. I can't Mm -hmm. remember what the reclaimed by the queer community, and it also speaks to queerness, strangeness, artsy type stuff, and. Again, it was used as an epithet, and now it's not. Pan is uh, new, so therefore, maybe I have not resistance to it, but I just, it's not the first thing I think of. But pan and queer to me mean the same thing, which means anyone could be of potential sexual interest, or rather any gender, uh, any sexuality. Got it. I want to take it back to how do you know Janet and everyone else, kind of all of our mutual friends in the Vanderpump adjacent, I like to call it, world? I also like the Vanderpump Rules extended universe, because I like to think of it kind of like Star Wars. Yes. Uh, You know, I was thinking (laughs) if Lisa Vanderpump only knew all of those social circles that she has created from this show, I know, right? 
It, no, it's wild. And now that I see Trixie Mattel doing stuff with Lisa, it's so weird because it's like my two worlds fusing in strange and unlikely ways. I used to work with Katya a lot and Katya taking a, a sidecar ride with Sandoval, just like weird yeah. things. And then someone wrote, they were like, wait, these, what? These, these are my two shows. What are they doing together? So right. how do I know everyone? Well, when I first moved to LA, I started Vanderpump Rules sort of uh, recap podcast, which was kind of new at the time. There really wasn't one of those. It was started as a lark with Laura Shane Halls, who now does another show that is a sexy, unique podcast. Yes. And so we worked for a year, two years together. And then we went our separate ways. She did hers. I did mine. Mine then was pumped. And in the course of that whole thing, got to be friendly with, I think, first Sandoval and Ariana. And then I can't remember who was next, but basically we started having the cast on on the first show very quickly, like a fourth episode. And at wow. the time we were like really rotten to them. Like, I mean, we, we were very mean. <laughs> okay. And Mean in um, what way? Like impressions or what? Or just Well, yeah, fun? impressions. And I would make a lot of fake commercials that were like really insulting. <laughs> I would and love to hear one. <laughs> I have a whole reel of them I will send you. Okay. Yeah. There was one about well, there's a perfume commercial for Kristen, something about lurking. Uh, but then, you know, those of the cast that had a good sense of humor about the whole thing really embraced it. There was one or two people that we said some maybe really unpleasant things about, which caused me to also rethink about what we were doing, why we were doing it, and the manner in which we executed it. Mm -hmm. So I also had the pleasure of talking to Stasi after insulting her on one of our episodes because, and that was good because I felt it was good to be held accountable. She came on as a guest, right? But then kind of yes. came in hot. Well, you know what? We had a meeting upstairs because uh, the bit I left out is in the in the uh, course of the, those two years. And the first year we taped over at Lara's place. And then the second year I moved into my apartment that I still have now, which is uh, near like the Vivian Westwood building in West Hollywood. That's and, exactly where I used to live too. On oh, Kings, that's right. Kings and Mel Not to shout out your address, but I, I won't <laughs> say okay. it. People have seen it on TV. So okay. if they, you know. Yeah. So yes, Katie and Tom moved in after Katie mm -hmm. was on as a guest and we were hanging out and she was talking about how she was looking for an apartment but couldn't find things in the right, the price range that were like decent, which is a common problem in West Hollywood. Of course. Um, we happen to have a vacancy in the building. And so I said, oh, why don't we talk to the building manager and so on and so forth. Then Katie and Tom moved in. Jackson folks came over and then Jackson Brittany moved in down the hall upstairs. And for those people who are familiar with the show, it's the building where, as you said, Jackson, Brittany and Tom and Katie lived. They would go back and forth. I think Jax would ride his little scooter back and forth. And yes. did they both have the loft or just Brittany and Jax? No, they both had, they were similar lofts okay. style apartments. Jackson Britney's had a slightly different layout. I think it had an extra room. I think the man cave or whatever, where the drum yeah. kit was and video games. And uh, yes, and that little scooter, if I'm not mistaken, was a rideable cooler. Yes. So you could take a little drive, open it up, get a beer. A schooler, if you will. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, a schooler. <laughs> if that's and not so trademarked, then, it should be. <laughs> it should be. And Jax, get on that because, yes. you know. He needs another new and exciting project. <laughs> and then from there, um, and then we met because we may have met in passing at the gatherings, you know, like yeah. uh, the uh, restaurant openings or whatever. And then Janet invited a bunch of us to come hang out. And then, yeah, and we got on wonderfully well, a nice hot tub time. And then since yeah. then, we've maintained a very nice uh, friendship. And to clarify, the nice hot tub time, nothing went down, people. <laughs> I like to leave things vague. It's just I a nice that. hot tub time. <laughs> <laughs> We're not leaving it vague, Craig. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. She, yeah, she doesn't want to admit. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. It was just a nice hot tub time. Like hot tubs are just nice talk, they're inert. chat. A talk, a chat. No, absolutely. Yeah. And and you turned me on to some emo music, which is the one strata of pop music that I'm a little bit totally blind to. Yeah. Interesting. See, that totally checks out. I don't remember doing that, but I'm sure I did. I'm sure I did. I think it's on brand for Jamie. So on brand. That, that does not surprise me. Someone had sent in a question for my next podcast episode, which was Shag, Mary, Kill, James Kennedy, Schwartz, and Peter. So let me ask you that. I'm going to pass it off onto you. Wow, that's a tough one. It's a tough one because there's no way you're marrying James Kennedy. But then I'm like, the other two are the hard ones. Yeah, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, let's say, okay, I, so I'm very fond of Schwartz. We're very good friends. So I'd have to say Mary Schwartz. Because okay. I look, because I know I know Katie would feel differently. 
But if divorce is a possibility in this game, then okay. Marry him, fuck James Kennedy, and kill Peter. Oh, you're killing Peter. You gotta kill someone. I mean, I like Peter very much. I like Peter very much. But that's my final answer, I suppose. How about you? See, it was hard for me to even answer it because I immediately just thought I'm killing James Kennedy. <laughs> right? Yeah, see, I could easily flip this coin. This is the thing. Yeah. Okay, listen, I'm gonna redact what I said. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Forgive <laughs> okay. me. Okay. I'm going to redact what I said. I've just never thought of Peter in that way. I've never thought of James in that way. Let me just clarify. Okay. But Peter would be a very attentive, like he would be a good time in bed. Basically, I Perhaps, get the sense yeah. that he, sensual, whatever, I think, right? Right. So I'd have to kill James. We're on the same page. We're on the same page. I just don't know who I'm marrying or shagging of Schwartz or Peter. That's a tough one. I mean, it could flip flop. It's like, you know, it doesn't really matter either way, I feel like. No, that's the thing. Well, this is like my James Peter conundrum. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess yeah. I would. Well, you know, I had Peter on the podcast and yeah. we got and along he... well. So Schwartz, I like, but he might be a little too lost right now for marriage. So I guess I, yes. I'm marrying Peter. That makes sense. He's reliable. You know who he is. Like he's the same guy from year to year. Mm -hmm. Right. Getting back to our discussion by pan, all of this. So yeah. your partner now, Ada, she introduced you to the world of polyamory. Is that correct? Yeah. And non-monogamy, because some people define them differently because polyamory sort of infers love for another person as well. But some people would say that we're polysexual, although she feels and I feel that like I would probably have the capacity to have maybe like a regular boyfriend as well as hookups and all of that, where she feels pretty content to be polysexual, which would be having sex with her with other women. She's not really that inclined to be with other men. So it's somewhere in between that, like, because I know defining it, sometimes people get a little bristly. But I also think it's something that is defined by one's own definition. You know what I mean? So yeah, she introduced me to that. I was interested in that because I had a partner prior a few years ago that I was with for far too long. You know, when you're with someone for so long, you think that that's just what life is. And you think that whatever dissatisfaction you have is just how life is, how this is part of the whole thing. And what can you do? And I'm not really a sad sack like that. I don't really look at situations and think, well, nothing can be done. In fact, I'm the opposite of that. But after 14 years, you don't really know any different. When did you start feeling the dissatisfaction? Not that long after we moved from LA. When we first moved, um, sorry, to LA from Massachusetts, when we moved to LA, there was the kind of us against the world kind of thing because we were being scrappy financially. You know, it's hard to get a job when you first land in LA. Mm -hmm. It's hard to sort things out. And the first thing that I did that took off was really not that well paying back then because it was a podcast and we didn't know how best to monetize and the whole industry hadn't really bloomed in the way that it has at that time. Now there's how many recap shows, you know what I mean? Yeah. And our show predated the after show on Bravo by about oh, a year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Some would say then that you inspired it. I would say so. Some would say, and some of those people include me. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, okay, at first, but then uh, things started to get, you couldn't figure out what was going on. And, but you know what? I got to say, anyone out there listening who's not sure about the relationship, if there is bed death in your relationship, figure out how to get out of your relationship. Everyone has slumps. Everyone has things, whether medical conditions or some kind of body image issues, but when it becomes bed death and you only have sex when the, one of the partners is very intoxicated or whatever, or if it's just deeply unsatisfying sexually. So there's no out. coming back from that. There really isn't, right? Do you share this feeling? Here's the thing. I have been theorizing about this entire situation for a little bit now, trying to make sense of affairs and cheating mm. And mm -hmm. people who are married or in long-term relationships, and why do they stay if they're not happy? What is preventing them from leaving? And I recently had a relationship coach on called Stefan Speaks. Mm -hmm. And I asked him the question. I was like, if you're not satisfied in your marriage, what should you do if you don't feel this like amazing connection with this person, but you're not completely dissatisfied either it's like it's fine like is that just how life is is that eventually inevitably what is going to happen and he yeah. said from all of his training and his experience in coaching these people he said get a divorce i hate to say it but you have to get a divorce even if you have, have kids staying together for the kids is pointless as well it does more harm than good and he felt very strongly about that so since having that conversation with him i've just been thinking about this in my head because I'm kind of in agreement with him, but 
only to a point because I never actually pulled the trigger and got married. I was engaged with someone for seven years. Prior to that, I was in three, four-year relationships right before they were going to propose. I broke up with them because I knew Mm. I wasn't going to spend the rest of my life with them. So I've always kind of been able to get out. I never was pulled into that trap of like, oh, this is just how it is. I was always like, no, I'm waiting for the one, for the one that makes me think like I can be with this person forever. And so now I'm at the point where I'm like, does that exist? This is a very, very valid question. Because sometimes you can think, okay, are my expectations too high? Mm -hmm. Or is the one really not like some kind of glowing, mystical, magical thing, but someone that you just instantly or if not instantly, eventually just very comfortable with. You know, and and that can include having ruptures, as they say, like, you know, that thing, rupture and repair. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's all about how you handle the bad times because there will be bad times no matter how great or aligned the person is with you. I think it's a really strong thing that you've been able to get out because a lot of us talk ourselves into things, and I've done it to myself, where you go, okay, well, this is what's going on right now, but, you know, it'll be fine. It'll get better because this, that, the other thing, it's a bunch of nonsense. I th- always think, though, that what you doing what you did, for instance, is the better option. Because if you feel like this isn't, I hate to say going nowhere, or, or this is going nowhere, uh, because that seems like there's a goal-oriented system, where as you, if you feel like this is not going to play out into eventual sustained happiness, what's the point of right. continuing? And then you're just stuck. There's so many people. And going back to my episode with Stevan, he thinks that about 80% of couples are with the wrong person. So now, you know, I have someone like you on who can shed maybe even a new perspective to that because it's like the people who are just thinking like you're either in a couple and it's monogamous or you're not, where does non-monogamy play a part of that? And Mm -hmm. there are some people I know who are married and they're like, well, maybe I should talk about having an open marriage. Maybe monogamy isn't natural. So what are your thoughts on all of that? So glad you asked because I do have a lot of thoughts on that. Now, my interest in non-monogamy or polyamory, polysexuality, etc. came in part along with the realization that I'm queer embracing of it, but also because in that previous relationship, I was cheated on for a long time with someone who lived in the building, so it was right under my nose the whole time. Oh, wow. And I think my over-loyalty or my loyalty that was too big, having that sort of disrespected that much definitely made me think, wait a second, like, okay, these essential foundational structures that we think of as unavoidable, the like we're in a relationship and that's that, they don't really work because then there's cheating, and which was never even admitted to. But I found out, because I always find out everything, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> was confirmed by a number of people who were witness to various things. Was Kristen Doty on it? She suspected. She definitely, yeah. Kristen <laughs> Doty, Kristen Doty, internet detective. That is definitely one of the spots that I made. That was not so insulting. Yes, yes. Now, yes, but okay, so when you have people on Vanderpump Rules saying, hey, what's going on with fill in the blank and fill in the blank? Yeah. Look There's out. A problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take that as a big sign that yeah. something is going on. And I was a little bit in denial, and I think out of that thing of over, not putting someone on a pedestal, but thinking, oh, I love them, so they... You know, like a a little bit of codependence. I had to recognize that there was some codependence there because codependence makes you shroud a lot of stuff or ignore things. And I don't think of myself as someone who ignores things, but like there's a whole number of things that I I learned from it, which sometimes present as trauma-related triggered things, you know? So I'm in therapy now, thankfully, two therapists. Okay. uh, Sometimes one is not enough. No, exactly, exactly. I had the really low time, not that I wanted to be with them anymore, but getting used to being alone, particularly around the holidays, was such a fucking head spinner. I actually messaged Katie. I hope she doesn't mind me saying this. I don't think there's anything improper. But I just wanted to give her a heads up that like, I don't know how you feel about Tom right now. I don't know. You know, I know you guys are divorced. Christmas is going to be weird. Mm-hmm. And don't worry, it's not going to be like that forever. But just so you know, because I kind of wish I'd heard that too, because I didn't yeah. expect it. That's and that's really nice that you did that. Did she respond? She did, and she thanked me, and I was really happy. I love Katie. I, I feel very close to Katie, and I'm looking forward to seeing her in March. Looking forward to seeing you in March uh, mm-hmm. when you come over to tape an episode of my show, too. Yes. Yes, and Katie, I've always found to be so forthright and committed to her convictions. Like I was talking with my therapist about values, right, and how we define ourselves, and sometimes we can get lost even in the thinking of who we are, like who are we when someone asks you who you are. Mm-hmm. I think because so I think core values are like 
so important. And we've talked about this in other conversations, but like core values in terms of how you apply yourself to business is kind of the same way that you apply yourself to relational dynamics. You know, I feel that those things are one in the same. I don't think that people who are really sleazy in business are really clean cut in their personal lives. You know, that I, I don't makes sense. How you do one thing is how you do everything. That's how I think. It's just like when we talk about companies and we say, well, it's top down. You know, if the person at top, a good person who considers other people's feelings, well, that'll roll downhill. But if someone's an Elon Musk, I guess it's pretty tense probably at the mid level. Hey, I would date Elon Musk. Is that a mistake? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. That would be interesting. That would I be, love you know. The genius. I love intelligence. And plus, yeah. I've got a lot to talk to him about. I have this thing that I would like to invent, but that's a whole other subject. I also love your enterprising spirit, and uh, I have sought you out for some advice on that front as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, I greatly admire your imagination, enterprising nature, and tenacity, and also your dedication to, for instance, veganism, and your integration of your passions and your solid beliefs in all that you put out into the world. So like the show is comprised of subjects and guests that you're interested in, that represent initiatives that you'd like to see fostered in the world, and also your business ventures reflect that as well. Like That's very impressive. Thank you. It's been a journey. You know, it wasn't always this way. And getting back to how, you know, I was able to get out of relationships that I didn't want to be in or wasn't right for me, it was more difficult to get out of a career that wasn't right for me. But yeah. because I've constantly throughout my life made those jumps and taken those risks, every time we do something like that, our confidence grows. And we're like, we did it that time, we could do it this time. And it yeah. just kind of sets this ball rolling. So that's what I did giving up my career in real estate and becoming, I guess, quote unquote, an entrepreneur and jumping into the podcast world. Oh, and so of course, I have invasive questions for you. So you're dating now and when you date, what's your dating style? Because it seems like you're not hesitant to, but you're very careful about getting into extended things unless you, you know, get a certain feeling about them. Yes. And I, in fact, asked the relationship coach last week, I said, do I just have a fear of commitment or are my standards high? Yeah. <laughs> and he and I kind of came to the conclusion that I should keep my standards exactly where they are. Mm -hmm. But there still could be a fear of commitment involved that I'm not aware of. I am in therapy as well. So I'll be figuring that out, hopefully. But I guess what happened, I had a, a short term boyfriend, you know, it was less than a year in when was this 2021. Sometimes those shorter ones hurt more than the, the ones that are years long. Yeah. And I think the philosophy behind that is that it never really came to fruition. Like there was so much like what ifs and like we never did all of these things that we discuss doing. Whereas like a longer term relationship, all of that plays out and you don't really have those what ifs, like you see mm -hmm. what it would have been. Yeah. So it was very difficult for me when that ended, especially because weeks later, he moved in with someone else. I suspect and heard he was DMing her when he and I were together. He got her pregnant right away. Wow. They're not even together anymore. The next girl is the one that contacted me, gave me all this information and said, he's telling me these stories. He told me he used to date you. I'm seeing some red flags. I'd like to know your opinion. So I wouldn't have even known any of this unless his second girl after me contacted me. It was all a bit traumatizing to find all of this out. Yeah. And, and it definitely made me question my judgment because when we were together, he was saying like he wanted to get married and we were looking at houses together. It was all moving very, very fast. Mm. And he even opened my idea to having another child. The fact that I allowed this person so close and I considered all of this with him, it really made me question my judgment because I'm like, was he lying the entire time or did he really feel these things? And then he just flipped a switch. I don't know. But I mean, my intuition towards the end, I think was right. And I'm the one that ended up breaking up with him in a very crazy manner, <laughs> which I also, you know, at the time I took full responsibility for because I'm like, he's a musician. And I had gone to Dallas to see him play in front of 20,000 people. And I broke up with him while he was on stage right before he played. <laughs> now I'm like, good fucker. <laughs> yeah. At the time, I felt horrible. 
Like, how could I have done that? How could I have been so rude? It's his day and all that. In fact, I had a couple vodka Red Bulls at the time, too. And I'm like, that must make me crazy. It made me so mean. I would never, you know, do that to a person. I gave up drinking vodka Red Bulls. To this day, I will not have one because I thought it, you know, it made me a terrible person. And to be honest, I'm glad I gave up the vodka regardless. Like, I just feel so much better anyway. But after then finding all those things out, I had already gone through the process of healing myself and bettering myself and working on myself anyway. So it was like, it was still a blessing, strangely. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very glad that you broke up with that guy the way you did because he deserved it. And, and clearly, yes. if you get the, if you get the second one after you reaching out to you because they feel some red flags, and then you mentioned to me the the rush to do everything and the rush, and your head gets spun into this thing of well, maybe I could do this, maybe I could. I always find that those like obviously certain things you go well, maybe I would reconsider my thoughts on living with someone, but having a child, all these other things, or having another child rather you get caught up in the frenzy and it's kind of an exciting frenzy which is the problem especially in the middle of a pandemic where there's so little stimulation and little contact with others people like that sometimes some could call them narcissists prey upon people when they're in a vulnerable state and we're all in vulnerable states from time to time i'm glad that you're taking a breather and stuff why don't you just go out and have fun that's what i always say to anyone who's (laughs) (laughs) They go ahead and have some fun, uh, no strings attached fun. This is my issue with this too, is that to me, that's not fun. Yeah. I need a true connection. I have a thought on this. So like in polyamory, there's things where people are like, Primary partners, secondary partners, tertiary partners. You know, you don't have to have a primary and secondary and all that stuff. But I feel like there's this other thing where we could possibly remove some of the shackles that are associated with dating. You know, that thing of like, oh, okay, well, we're going to dinner and it's the second date. Like, do I like him? How do, or do I like her? Or like, what do we do? You know, this is the third date. And like, there's these things in our mind about what each date sort of means. And like, does right. it, you know, and are we going in this direction? And, and so much of it is so ingrained, not just from cultural uh, times gone by, but also rom-coms and, mm-hmm. you know, even tropes on television and, and things. Absolutely. Yeah. Complete societal norms. And it's like, who made this up? And what if this is not natural? Me even questioning this doesn't mean that I believe one way or the other yet. It's just questioning, which is what I do, you know, and yeah. until I come to, and, and my opinions are always open to changing as well. This is just something that's really been on my mind lately. So I'm really mm. glad to have you on to hear a different side of, I don't know if I would call it an alternative relationship, but whatever, you know, whatever this is that you're doing, yeah. it's, I find it interesting and I want to learn about it. Well, one thing that's really fun is when we're walking around and we're both like, uh, oh, look at her. (laughs) (laughs) See, this is a whole other world to me. I mean, that must be so nice for you guys, you know, to just be able to speak freely and not worry about insulting another person or causing jealousy. But I don't know if I'm brainwashed or what, but I think most of us are. And it's just like, I would probably be jealous in that situation. So is it a situation where this is a me problem and I have to understand human nature and not take it personally, not have these blinders on that so many people do. They're like, well, this is how it should be. And he shouldn't do this. And he shouldn't do that. And he's a bad person if he does that. And it's like, or do we accept this is not working for our society? Divorces are everywhere. And if you're not divorced, how many people are actually happily married? And again, this is not me bashing marriage, because there is a big part of me that would like to believe that it can be amazing. And that it is a great thing for some people. But I can't ignore the fact that so many people in committed relationships have so many issues and so much unhappiness. And that is kind of something that I want to delve into and explore. Yeah. You know, we can think of ourselves as brainwashed, but I also think that, you know, like I, up until five, six years ago, whenever it was, really had a a very set in stone idea of of even my sexuality because body image issues and other things and from youth onwards, but also because after a while we were like me and my ex, I try to not say we, (laughs) my ex and I were the sort of token straight couple hanging out with all gay people. So then that, that sort of re- compounds your identity as this, the one who's just different from them but like you all get along and the first time i fooled around with a guy it was stepping out of the comfort zone but i mean i did have the desire to but i think the desire was sort of tamped down substantially because of you know i'm 47 in a week so growing up in the 80s you know you take on a lot of cultural homophobia and thing also being called fag a lot you know things like that you sort of tamp down things especially when you have a cornucopia of other issues uh, related to bullying at school so 
stepping out of that comfort zone of like, this is what you do and was very helpful. And it is weird because those things are scary. Interestingly for me, I find it's different with guys and it's different with women. It doesn't mean one is better. I think I'm more attracted to women. I don't know what the percentage is, but it, it's a pretty close one, but the women go more. And I think even expressing attraction for a guy is still kind of a new-ish thing right? Like because yeah. of just the acceptance or embracing or whatever. But I'm also very much a person who embraces every aspect of who I am and very vocal about it. So it's an interesting, not conundrum, but it's an interesting um, balance of things. Let's get into like the whole jealousy aspect, you know, yes. because, you know, saying that I'm still in this like frame of mind where it's like, I don't want to share a person. Do you think people who are non-monogamous just think differently or do they open up their minds and learn something different? So jealousy is definitely still a thing that happens in non-monogamy. And for us, our kind of like ground rules, what our interests are and what the others no-fly lists are, are integrated very well, or they happen to overlap perfectly in that because of that experience I discussed before, where I was in a sense cuckolded for real, I don't fancy the idea, at least right now, of her being with another man. Mm -hmm. Perhaps if we were involved in some group situation uh, that's yet to arise, then perhaps. Okay. But she doesn't really, she's more interested in women than men. Okay. So that like works out nicely. That's a happenstance kind of thing, right? Essential to all these kind of relationships is like everyone has the things that would make them unhappy. And the healthy relationships in this realm of either polyamory, non-monogamy, etc. Each person respects the other one's knows. What's more important, the person you're with or pursuing this one thing? So it's, I think, a thing that's constantly negotiated with couples. Although ours isn't really a constant negotiation. It's pretty much we seem to have the same precepts for the thing. But there's a great book by this author, Kate Lurie. I had her on the show. You might like to have her on your show, actually. I'll send you her info. She's okay. a psychotherapist who specializes in polyamorous relationships. She's a relationship therapist. That's a great episode of yours. I did listen to it. She's Oh, great. terrific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you'd like it. And then I'll connect the two of you. Awesome. Thanks. She's a great resource for that. Because also, you don't have to say... I don't think go from monogamy or, you know, the tr let's say traditional, for lack of a better term, relationships into the deep end of the pool. I think what you're doing is fantastic because a lot of us just go through life and especially relationships, friendships too, not really thinking like, hey, is this working for me? Yeah, I analyze a lot of shit, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I think we're both sometimes overanalyzers. Maybe. Also, I think, you know, something that you and I have in common is that we don't need to fit in. If I wanted to be married, I could have been married six times over by now. You know, it's right. like I didn't need to follow that path. I'm yeah. perfectly fine being like, no, I don't need to do that for some validation or to look a certain way to society. So I have that freedom. These people, let's say, who are married and they're disappointed or they're dissatisfied. Are they just with the wrong person or is monogamy not natural? I think it's a bit of both. I think a lot of people are with the wrong people. And I think people we know, we could, you know, we're not going to, but we could, we could name people that we know that are, you're like, why are they with them? And I think when there's a quorum, you know, of people being like, well, I don't, what the hell is, and, and they're not seemingly happy all the time. Right. Sometimes I wonder if some people are so addicted to being in a state of chaos and drama that whether the person's right for them or not is surplus to requirements, if not antithetical to requirements, that they want to have the thing to call you up and complain about because it gives them sort of a sense of identity and also purpose while also allowing them to avoid looking at the actual stuff in their life. Hmm. It's a dark thought. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt that there are situations like that going on. But I think more common are situations where they're like, oh, well, this provides me stability. This provides me comfort, mm -hmm. a schedule and those things that we do crave as humans. But then it's like, is it also unrealistic to expect that from that same person who's your best friend is also supposed to be constantly turning you on and providing stability yet mystery? and all this <laughs> right. like adventure as well. And those notions too of the mystery and adventure, like you can get to a great place where you're very comfortable with each other, intimate and you know, the ways that you, you know, there's not much to hide when you have an infant and you're, you know, in sweatpants and just like, oh, did I shower today? I, I have no idea, that kind of stuff. But, you know, I think also for like, for instance, with us, we make time to, even tonight where I had a therapy appointment earlier, like two hours before our chat. And then so we had like a two hour window, but we got some sushi and we sat together and peter 
was in his cot. And it was just like, you know, it's not quite the mystery and adventure, but it was like an intentional time together, sitting down and all of that. And like, and, you know, on her way home from her appointment, she got donuts for us and like little things like that. And for me, everyone has different things that are important. You know, some people say about talk about love languages and all that stuff. Mine, I think I just like my sexuality, I'm omnivorous. I go for everything. The little things matter. And I think the little things start to get eroded or start to get ignored rather in a lot of relationships. I think when people take people for granted is a big problem. But on this other side of that coin, familiarity is good. But like you said, when does familiarity breed contempt? Yeah. That is a big problem. And I think that it would be great if people could almost enter into a marriage or something like that with a notion that maybe one day they'll have other friends that they have fun with. Because more and more we hear stories about people, particularly gay couples, because gay couples seem to be pioneers in a lot of things, not just disco. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because in the gay communities, it's more common than not that a married couple, a very dedicated couple, they have play friends. And these couples last seemingly forever, most of them. I mean, obviously- That that would be my question is, is it sustainable? I think it is. I think it is. I think it's as sustainable, if not a little bit more, than any other marriage. Because I don't know if... Also, marriage is a construct that was invented at a time when people's average age life expectancy was, what, 35? 35, yes. Yeah. I'm 47. So, I mean, I don't know. I can't even imagine that. You could go to 100. Yeah, right. Totally. At that same time, it wasn't usually based on love. (laughs) No, right. You know, now, in addition to all of these things that we need to have in common with this other person, they also have to be this, they have to be everything. And it's like, that's the big question in my head is like, can one person be everything that you need? Again, to keep repeating myself, I would like to believe yes. But if I'm going to be honest with myself, maybe the reason I want to believe yes is out of insecurity. I see exactly what you mean. Yeah. I want to be able to be that for someone else as well. You know, you said you're repeating yourself, but the thing is, it's one of those core questions. So it's okay. Mm -hmm. It's part of the, not rumination, but the contemplation process of what is it? Is it insecurity or is it that you like some things about it? Because another thing that's funny right now, I think, is that because of the rise of awareness and I would say the chicness of non-monogamy, I think that some people feel out of step because they don't want to be Mm non-monogamous. So it's a whole interesting time really because this is being discussed more than ever you know absolutely even on dating apps craig i just recently found this out because all over the dating apps people will be like pineapple belongs on pizza pineapple doesn't belong on pizza do you know what this really means though no please tell me i just found this out because i'm like why is everyone on hinge obsessed with pineapple on pizza (laughs) apparently it means if you're monogamous or non-monogamous and if you put pineapple on pizza you're non-monogamous Wow, I didn't know that. I mean, I happen to like pineapple on pizza, but I never would have. I do would've... too. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't never... think it's so blasphemous, but. <laughs> no, exactly. Like, and also it's a dating app where we're talking about dating. Like, so let's, like, can we just say non-monogamous? Can we say what it is? Yeah, yeah, it's so weird. And you know what? This was just one person who told me this. So I don't know if he's correct or not, or if Hinge is just obsessed with truly pineapple on pizza. But no, I, I thought that was interesting. I think that sounds a little too, that sounds way too, like, it sounds insane at first, but you go, of course, that's what's going on. Mm -hmm. Because even then, there's a layer, a veil of secrecy, right? Right. Which, why is it even there? There's this app called Field, which is supposed to be great. It's more of a hookup, or not a hookup, but sexually based things. But I know couples that are couples that who have met on Field. But there's like, for instance, Ada and I are going to start an account there when we're a little bit more, when we have more room to move, if you will. Right. Uh, You can look for specific things, say, you know, like we're a couple that's looking for either, you know, a woman to play with both of us or a woman to play with one of us or maybe both, all that kind of stuff. There's every kind of thing going on over it field we want to check that out really interesting also talking about what's the i'm trying to think of the word but not breaking down barriers but doing new things because at a certain point in life it feels like we don't do new things right there's a club called torture garden here uh there's one in la it's an offshoot of the original here okay ada had her first fashion show in like two years at torture garden she had her first fashion show in ages i filmed it and i got my first like fetish outfit which was nice it was like fishnets and these leatherette shorts this mesh shirt with a leather collar that was really great to like walk around like that we also enjoyed like gender play stuff which is something new for me but something i've always thought about doing and it's quite nice we're very switchy as they say so there's no prescribed dump top i I guess if you broke it down 
down on more of the top and or dom or whatever and then but then we'll f- switch roles as well okay. which is a lot of fun and you can embrace other aspects of your sexuality that way but i could only do that with someone like her who i felt totally safe with right which i recommend to anyone listening don't do stuff like that unless you feel very safe with them because especially if you're in a fragile state or if it's new for you you don't want it to be just yet another traumatizing <laughs> thing just you know there's there's enough out there that'll do it so yeah so how do people find these clubs though and are they hidden or you mentioned there's one in la i had no idea yeah there's one in la it's torture garden la and they have a website they've been around for a while torture garden one of their big rules is you can't wear street clothes like everything has to be fetish wear and there's no photos allowed but other than that there's the photo booth where people can take photos of themselves but no photos elsewhere so people can really feel free to explore any aspect of their sexuality and that could range from dressing up uh, as the opposite sex or elements of either feminine or masculine clothing that they wouldn't outside of the club or perhaps it would be latex latex garments or harnesses collars sometimes people like to be led around on a collar by their partner or their dom, etc. Mm-hmm. And everything in between. Is it mostly couples that go and then that's where you meet other people who are into this or what? You know, I think pe- uh, people go solo, people go as couples. You know, the, here's the other thing. This is my first time at a fetish event. And also, it was really exciting to be in a room full of people having sex openly. And that's like one of the many things where you go, oh, that's something that seemed taboo or I've been interested in. And it's like, this is exciting in the good way. Like it's stimulating very much so and like in a good way. Okay. So what would you say that this does for a relationship or what has it done for your relationship? I think it adds... It's two things as well. It's not just a variety, but it's in a way, like you said about the one, finding the one, because to me, sexuality is so much a part of us, especially my own self. I feel like sexuality is such a massive part of it, of my spirituality, of my connectedness to this material world, if you mm-hmm. will. Because I think of that as even in the way that I carry myself and the way that I think about the world. And I think I think that once one is at peace or comfortable with their own sexuality, there's a certain amount of confidence and ability that emits into the other parts of your life. It's sort of like something that you weren't sure about, you're sure about now. And then that translates, that's the word, that translates into other parts of your life, the way that you deal with people, the way that you present yourself. I also was recently reading that those who do have like higher, I guess, sexual energy, you know those people that you're instantly drawn to and you feel that sexual energy off them. Those are also the same people who are like have healing energy that it goes kind of hand in hand. Yes, I agree with that completely. And like I like that sort of thing and I like to talk about that stuff with people. I think it's all one of a piece. Mm-hmm. It's sl- funny slash unfortunate the way that sexuality it gets demonized a lot or is put in the dirty but with the bad connotation or people go mm-hmm. oh boy it's kind of that thing of like when i was little and i thought of older people who were fuss budgets and i thought oh well thankfully like that won't happen anymore right what's a fuss budget fuss budget just like a cranky old like oh well that's not Ooh, you wouldn't do that in my day okay. like that kind of stuff you know like this okay. we, we, we thought it was like an old cranky person when you were younger i would think well, that won't last because they'll go off and, you know, into whatever you say, heaven or whatever. <laughs> they'll go away. <laughs> they'll go away someday. And we won't have that anymore. But I find that people adopt these almost character presets as they get older. We, we see it amongst people we know that we can't name too. When they're like, well, I'm a this now, I'm a that now. So this is the kind of stuff, I, oh, I don't do those crazy party things like I used to do instead of like, what? that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't right. mean like anything. I'm a dad now. I'm a yeah. husband now. Yeah, exactly. I'm a dad now, <laughs> and I am still the same person, just even more so. Except now I have a child. That's it. Yeah. What are you doing in March when you come here? Oh, so in March I'm going to be taping a bunch of episodes, uh, enjoying the weather, eating Mexican food, which is something that I don't advise doing in London. Okay. Well, then you have to come to Sugar Taco for your oh, yes, plant-based Mexican. I'm very much looking to come uh, to Sugar Taco. That'll be wonderful. And then, of course, taping an episode with you. I'm looking yes. for my show, which will be great. And then, uh, yeah, we'll have to go do some fun stuff because I haven't been there since September. Okay. Yeah. Which well, we'll was definitely wild. meet up. I'm not sure if I'll um, go to Torture Garden, but <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. I hear the LA one's not quite the London one. No, no, uh. no. I do non kink stuff too. <laughs> Sometimes. No, but you know. Yeah. No, definitely. A lot of fun stuff to to do. And yeah, I haven't seen people for ages. In LA, rather. I've seen people. Mm -hmm. I I do leave this room. Yes, we'll have to do that. And thank you so much for having me on. I've had a delightful time. And you do listener questions, right? I do. 
Okay, so I would like to offer, if you would like to have this, if anyone has questions about the stuff said on this episode, or complaints, whatever it is, <laughs> if you want to send them to us, we'd be happy to address them together the next time we chat. That would be amazing. Yes, send it all in. I would just say, have an open mind that I'm sure it works for, clearly, your living proof that it's working for you <laughs> at the moment. Yeah. And it's not for everyone, and that's fine. And people that I bring onto this podcast, it's always a fine line with podcasting, because it's like, I want to hear all the voices. You know, I want to hear all the opinions. I don't want to just bring people on who I agree 100% with and everything that I promote that I want to bring on. But then also there's a responsibility involved. It's like you also don't want to just promote something that... that you're fully against, you know? So there's always that fine line. But with something like this, like maybe I'm not into this, but I don't care. I want to, I want to hear about your experience. So for those listening, they might not be into it, but it doesn't hurt to hear other walks of life, you know? Absolutely. And even if someone doesn't want to go into the deep end of the pool, there's a lot of aspects and practices in non-monogamy or polyamory, what have you, non-traditional systems that you could even look into as a way to apply to a long-term marriage between just two people. Absolutely. You can pick little things that might work for you. Yeah. Or might bring a little excitement or change into your situation. Who knows? Just Exactly. Even something as simple as doing little nice things like getting donuts for each other. Like think maybe if you're listening and you you are hitting a slump cuz Everyone can have a slump, even with us, when the the height of the stress of the first month of the baby. One day we just said, let's just cuddle for a minute because we're sleeping in separate rooms and physical contact is very important. And so what we did is we cuddled and we got drowsy immediately, which means that your body is at rest. I don't know. I can't remember. They say the somatic or whatever, all that stuff. Yeah. Vagus nerve. I can't remember how it goes, but that stuff, you know, folks, you know. So we immediately were resetting that. It was so nice to see you. And, And where can people find you? At Craig and Friends Pod on Instagram. And then on Twitter, it's just Craig and Friends. And then on your podcast app, which you've already subscribed to, it's just Craig and Friends. I like to have people on that shaped our culture in every way, pop culture, queer culture, and then delve into movies. Oh, and, and self-help stuff as well, like Kate Lurie or uh, Amy yeah. Fiedler, who you've had on for Who a fabulous episode. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for recommending her to me, by the hey, way. My pleasure. As I'm wrapping up, I need to ask you, what is your favorite song? We're going to play it for the outro. Oh, I love that. My favorite song. Okay. It's going to have to be, this is Radio Clash by The Clash. Awesome. And they have an amazing drummer. So I'm very happy to play. I haven't played any of the Clash songs before on here. Thank you for that awesome recommendation. And thank you for mentioning how fucking amazing Topper Hedden is. One of the best drummers <laughs> best. ever in rock and roll. Ever, ever, ever. Absolutely. I agree. <laughs> thank right, you so Craig, much, thank Jamie. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Underneath the mushroom cloud This is Radio Cash No need to
happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com